everybody, it's the Bucket Cast, hosted by yours truly, BucketReviews.com, film critic and podcaster. Yes, podcaster Danny Baldwin, and I'm joined by your host, Michael. Release the Kraken! Lester, and that's the big heading, but before we get to that, Michael, we had a little earthquake today. Yes, we did. Just a small one. Just a small one this but time. But it was 7.1 out of Baja. I mean, that's a bigger. Danny, we live in California. It's a it's big small. earthquake. It's small. The problem is you always fear, you know, they say the big one is coming, like 2012 always goes in your mind, and <laughs> I always think there's, you know, after we get a little bit of rocking, I always think there's going to be just a big smash, and I, I was in a movie today when it occurred, Clash of the Titans, and I went out. I went out of the theater, not the least of which because a, a group of pesky theater employees were trying to evacuate everyone kind of half-heartedly mm-hmm. uh and i i left for six minutes i missed six minutes of the movie the movie's not that hard to follow <laughs> but the big the big punchline here is that that moment released the kraken is right when the earthquake struck so this monstrous figure comes on screen and it was like perfect timing uh everybody was saying was that the sound system this place is a the 15 year old theater what's going on here now, there were a few out-of-towners who came in for Easter, and they were a little jarred by the whole thing. In fact, I think about 20 people ended up leaving the movie after this happened. Uh, but what can I say? Have you heard of D-Box? Uh, no, I haven't. It's where, like, it's one kind of like 3D. I mean, we talk about gimmicks. And uh, it's where the chairs, like, shake. Almost like an amusement park ride. Like I say, you get the you, know, you get the 3D and the D box, and you're... it's it's like the poor man's D box that I got. I wasn't watching <laughs> the movie in 3D, but I, I really got uh, a taste of D box, and it wasn't that good. But they just installed D box by us, and we may have to check it out and do our little review. Okay. Although it's just it's disconcerting to me because D box is even more expensive than 3D. It's it's really? like it's eight dollars extra. <laughs> so to see to, to have the movie you have to choose a good you. movie then I, I mean I don't know it's like I, you know I feel like like I already liked the Matterhorn <laughs> but then then they gave us 3D which gets us to like Splash Mountain territory which is just all show you know you get the one and now we're getting into like Space Mountain territory where it's just turkey jerky and, and is beyond reason <laughs> so it just it, it's, where's where's Big Thunder Mountain and all that? Big Thunder, well, that's kind of in the herky-jerky territory, too, but it's okay. not, like, as, as dreaded as Space Mountain is, and the lines aren't as long, so therefore, if you equate lines with price... And where's uh, It's a Small World? I haven't been on that one since I was about five, so I wouldn't know. Okay. All right, well... I'll take your word for, for that one. You know, the strange thing is, like, the same people who, like, don't get the earthquake analogies and things don't we'll get, get the that. Disneyland analogies either. So let's let's talk about Clash of the Titans, okay. which was the big movie this weekend. We should mention, sorry to all of those who followed our tease and were religiously awaiting Tyler Perry's Why Did I Get Married To and The Room, which we didn't make it to. They didn't quite match up in showtime, so uh, I don't think we really had the passion. The Room runs again next month. So yeah, so we'll go then. We'll do the we'll whole try Tommy Wiseau experience then. But we do have more for you. We got The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And then we have the first movie uh, in this month's retrospective series, Michael. And, and who'd you choose? I chose Steve McQueen this month. We'll have to go into that a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, we will. But first, Clash of the Titans. It was the big movie. It's directed by Louis Leritzeri or whatever. Leritzeri? Okay. Well, he's the guy who did The Incredible Hulk. And, uh, well, what would I call it? What do you get 
when you throw like the colorness, colorfulness of last year's Dragon Ball into a blender with all of the swords of King Arthur and the goofy, loopy spirit of the Mummy trilogy, well, you get a movie where a Greek protagonist with an Australian accent is probably the most logical thing there is. <laughs> uh, that's, of course, Sam Worthington, who is hot off his success in Avatar. And, you know, he's got a great charisma, I think, Michael. He's, oh, yeah, yeah. He's not a very good actor. No, but... I gotta say, I questioned him in Terminator Salvation. I was saying, is this really the next star in Avatar? And then <laughs> Avatar, with all the CGI and stuff, I kind of forgot about it. And, yeah. and now, you know, I guess he's good. I mean, I think he, he has room to grow, but he's not he terrible. Also, he's he's kind of monotonous, I think. He's, yeah. But, you know. But then he keeps getting typecast and he's like, okay, be the stoic you know, yes. military figure. But if he can pull an Australian accent off as the type, in, in one way, I'm a little bit more uh, appreciative of that because mm -hmm. at least they don't go for like these pseudo British accents <laughs> and have everybody on the plane, even though that wouldn't be accurate either. But this is a remake, of course, of the 1981, yes. 1981 uh, film, which was never really that well-liked. It's kind of cherished by people in nostalgia. Well, kind of like the Ray Harryhausen. Yeah, very much so. Okay. And uh, it follows the Sam Worthington character, who is himself a demigod. Which means what? I don't know. <laughs> he was spawned by one god and one human. Oh. That's what it means. Well, yeah, I, I believe it's gonna. That's what Zeus gets for going around raping everything. Yes, Zeus is his real father. But at any rate, the gods are kind of well angry. Well, more the humans are angry at the gods. Everybody's angry. It, Everybody's angry at everybody. It's ancient Greece. Everybody's angry. So anyway, Sam Worthington's character Perseus, he sees well his family basically because Hades comes up from the sea in this opening. His family drowns in their ship which is knocked over by the waves, and he vows vengeance against the gods, and he joins a team of uh, human warriors, and they're after Zeus and Hades and all that Something stuff. Something or other. And Zeus vows that in ten days, if they don't sacrifice the princess of the clan, he's going to... Release the Kraken! Yes, thank you, Liam Neeson. And... Liam Neeson plays Zeus, and Rafe Fiennes plays Hades, and these are two distinguished actors. Yes. But I can't think of one, like, more... I, I don't... Strangely enough, I think this movie is kind of bad good, but knows it. Like, very much knows its place. But that was the... The scenes between Fiennes and Neeson are the times when I began to question it the most, which is strange because you would think they'd be the most conscious of that. Yeah. Like, it's almost as if they took the homoerotic tension in 300 and personify it. I mean, it was, it's really weird, the scenes between these two. I mean, really strange. And you know that Ray Fine stare he does? Yeah. He does that little eye twinkle? I mean, it's taken to a real extreme here, and those scenes are really... Pretty weird, but funny. Yeah, no. I, I definitely felt that there was times where it was making fun of itself, uh, particularly with that one uh, one soldier who just cr keeps cracking jokes all the time. Like, he's they're just writing it in. Like, here, make fun of the movie. Yeah, but I think, I do think that our director, Louis, I'll call him, because I still can't pronounce his last name for you, I think they're well aware of the fact that this is just hamming it up. Bollocks, and yeah. It kind of works for me. I don't think it's a good movie, 
it's but it's silly and it's fun. I would say it's fun, but it's not good. Well, uh, I can say about Clash of the Titans is I arguably had more fun making fun of the movie than actually watching it. But doesn't it have that in mind though? Isn't that kind of its intention? You don't think? No, so? I think there's it, it. It switched back and forth where it was making fun of itself and then where it was like overly serious. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the visuals too because they're really the, it's a big expensive movie. It's very colorful. It's kind of cartoonish. It's got a very interesting color scheme because it be, kind of shifts between the 300 style, very Greek looking tint and these colorful cartoonish monsters. And I thought it was very pleasing to the eye. It's very interesting that it was converted. It was converted in eight weeks into 3D. People uniformly said, this is some of the worst 3D we've ever seen. In fact, it's barely noticeable. It's like watching a movie with sunglasses, I think some people said. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. And it distracted from the brightness. I thought in 2D, the visuals were great. I, mean, I don't have any complaints about that. I, I think it, it looks okay. great. Uh, you're a little bit more ambivalent about this movie than I am. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I, I can describe the movie in the sense that it plays like a game of D&D, Dungeons mm-hmm. & Dragons with. When they're not, See, we, when we, they're not fighting, it's not acceptable on first reference to an act. We don't have that geeky. Well, yeah. actually, we do. I think on first reference, but I, I'm, I'm helping. Let's everyone consult else. the AP style book on this one. No, okay, what we're saying. Um, <laughs> it's like a game of D and D. No, you just that. did the AP style book. It brought okay. me back. Okay. Um, when they're not fighting, they're uh-huh. traveling, and when they're not traveling, they're fighting, and that's pretty much a good. 90 minutes of the movie, I think. Yeah, and I will say, admittedly, I kind of like this movie. I will say, I, I give it two and a half out of four. Oh, wow. I'm in the middle. I think it's fun. But the action does kind of get tired by the time we get to Medusa. Like, even that... Granted, I didn't see all of the Kraken scene. I think I saw enough in the commercials, right? Yeah. I mean, I think I experienced that whole thing in the 30-second spots and every angle well, of it. Well, actually, um, in my opinion, the, they... Uh... It was a, the movie was really overdone in uh-huh. places where it shouldn't be. Yeah, and underdone, you know, where it could have been like where you expect it to be because the Kraken fight was really like a letdown. Yeah, well, I noticed it was strange because I expected it to go on forever, but then I come back after five six minutes and it's done. Yeah, I was and, like, what the heck? And you, they barely do anything with the Kraken. It's all kind of other stuff on the side. Yeah, well, and. I don't think I'm spoiling anything, but the group of warriors has whittled by that point. <laughs> so it's not exactly this big, uh, this is Sparta kind of battle as Warner Brothers clearly wants it to be. Because this, I I mean, it's kind of like a, a coattail, riding on the coattails of the success of 300, but yeah. with a PG-13 rating. Even though it's not the same picture at all. No. I mean, this, this verges on comedy a lot of the time. But again, I give it two and a half out of four. I mean, it's popcorn popcorniness in its ultimate sense right yeah well as i was saying earlier uh you mentioned terminator i felt like this movie had the kind of like the cop-out th- thing weren't you in the beginning cop-out where he's saying like what are you doing cop-out kevin smith's cop I, yes I, yes i thought you were using cop-out as a verb no okay cop-out the movie yeah, yes which came out this yes, year yes, yes the february 2010 film tracy yes. morgan scene where he makes all those references yeah i felt like that during the movie i was like wait what, what is this every time like i thought i saw Highlander, I thought I saw like Power Rangers going on. Maybe you know, it's that I'm Black not, Beauty at the end there. Maybe, maybe it's not that I uh, that I'm not as versed in these 80s 
type movies as you Which are. is you weird because really like you them. love the 80s so much. Well, not really in cinema, but we'll talk about my favorite decades in cinema a bit later because Mr. 60s here made me watch some 60s stuff. And, oh, sorry. You know, I'm, I have my own preferences. But Clash of the Titans, your rating? One. One? <laughs> I would only watch it to make fun of it. But seriously, you don't think it was intentional? <laughs> no, not enough. Oh, oh. Well, let's get to a more serious. Uh, David Fincher, the acclaimed director, uh, has just been announced to be doing a remake of this film, which is a Swedish film. It bears some similarity in that sense to Let the Right One In, which was mm-hmm. released two years ago. Not really in subject, but it's a Swedish movie. It was instantly picked up for American remake, and it's making some big crossover. So, Michael, what is it? Uh, so we saw the girl with the dragon tattoo this week, and it's basically about an investigative reporter, Mikhail Blomfist. He loses a libel suit against this corrupt industrialist, and he's going to be sent to prison. But before going to prison, he uh, is asked by a capitalist, an aging capitalist, to investigate this 40-year-old cold case of his missing 16-year-old niece. And Mikhail is helped along the way by his the, the capitalist's greedy family, and also this... Uh, Young hacker, Lisbeth, and this duo forms an unlikely detective team. Yeah, well, she's following him. Yes. And and kind of being the PI on Mikhail. Yeah. And then they team up when she finds some links in his clues and then pretty much Solves gives the mystery away that him. she's hacking his computer. Well, the story creates this very interest, you know, very interesting layered dynamic with multiple stories going on at once and for being a what a two and a half hour movie, I was pretty engaged for the entire performance. Yeah, although I was surprised, and this is actually a backhanded compliment. It's not <laughs> one of those thrillers. I went in. This movie has this reputation, like it takes twists at every turn, and you're going to be really engaged. I was taking meticulous notes on these plot points. Yeah. Like I'm going to have to try to piece it together. Like it's going to be one of those. But it's it's a lot more obvious than that. No, it's, it's pretty like easy it, to understand. But yeah. You're, you're, you're not going to expect certain things to come up. Exactly. And the more interesting things is where it takes us within each of these characters. Mm-hmm. Not so much where the plot goes, but where it, you know, sends these people. And the girl with the dragon tattoo, of course, refers to Lisbeth, who's this hacker who has every piercing you could possibly imagine. And it's very interesting because in the American movie, and we'll get into this because this is being mm-hmm. remade, in the conventional American movie, she'd be like that punker hacker chick who hangs out at the coffee grind, and this <laughs> is just like her goth persona, right? Yeah. But this movie, of course, a more pure European effort, not to uh, give the Europeans too much of a compliment, but it actually explores why she looks the way she does and her yeah. sordid past of abuse and all these things. But it also goes into Mikhail's past and everything like that. Yeah, but it creates realistic characters out of these people and they're not just thriller prototypes to move the plot yeah. along. So again, it's more about character than it is about plot, which I think is one of the rarest qualities in a thriller. Well, that's also why I think a lot of people don't get to see it. Get to see it. Two and a half hours, subtitles, character driven. But it's doing extremely well at the box office. It I is. Mean, it's showing some crossover. It's another let the right one in, as far as I'm concerned. I think a lot of people will see this movie and won't be so deterred by the subtitles. Don't you think? No. No, I, I still run into a lot of people who can't handle subtitles in the least. 
So how do you think the David Fincher remake's going to be? I think David Fincher is very qualified. I think it's like up his alley. Um, I'll, tell, I'll tell you two reasons that occurred to me while watching the movie that he's the right man for the job. His movies are never under two hours, so he'll not shortcut this plot at all. It's not going to be turned into a 90-minute movie where we get a plot twist at every turn yeah. like that. It's not going to be turned into that movie. He's going to have you know a Benjamin Button length, and yeah. it's going to be a big... Well, not, I mean, this is an intimate movie, but I should say a long, interesting, multifaceted effort. The other interesting similarity is the movie has a, well, I don't want to give away too much, but a biblical killer. Now, let's remember Seven was also about Seven Deadly Sins and that same kind of deal. I mean, this is very much up his alley. I well, I also think, you know, there's like a lot of stylistic choices that are similar, particularly like the key of uh, lighting and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really interested in it. But now they're throwing around some names for lead actors. That's that's where my concern comes in. I haven't seen any of the names. Oh, you haven't? But that's where I think this, that will make or break. You know who number film. one is on for the who? list? For who? For Lisbeth, I mean. Okay, you know, okay, one. I'm ready. Who do you think it is? I don't know. I'm just kidding. Kristen Stewart, who... Oh my, no, never. The, but she has the chops. I mean, uh, I think they choose her because she's a real it girl and she's got that kind of dark uh, thing. I don't think she could swing it. I don't... I, don't be so pessimistic. I don't know if I'd believe that. And contrary to what the Twilight If they want, did it, like, shot for shot, uh-huh. I don't believe Kristen Stewart... Hmm. Would make a good Lisbeth. I think she's a lot better than some of the other choices they could. The way give me some of the other choices then. Well, I, no, no, no. I mean, just in the general oh, pool yeah. of actresses who are popular of that age. And the, but again, I think it's a terrific movie. I give it three and a half out of four buckets. I give it four. Really? I really enjoyed it. I was into it. So best of the year for you? No, but I, funny you should mention that. I think that we got a trend going with uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and How to Train Your Dragon. That both dragon movies right yeah if we keep you know i think throw some dragons in your movies guys you might get you know a leg up into my top 10 this year i actually looked it up and there's one more dragon movie that oh, yeah? may come out this year what's it's that kind of a, i don't know what it's called but it's it's on the bubble like okay. it hasn't been picked up yet but it exists and it's credited with 2010 on imdb so we could so we can have a top three going we right could here. have your one two three going right there so I fully recommend it. Seek it out wherever it is. It's yeah. expanding big. It might not be in your city yet. Two theaters in uh, San Diego. Three. Three. Hillcrest, too. Hillcrest well. has got it now. Yes. And gladly, I saw it at La Jolla, not the Ultra Star Flower Hill, which I have had good luck with recently, but you say there was a tear in the screen. <laughs> There's a cut in the screen. What's that? Theater number four. Four. Theater yeah. number four. Hey, Ultra Star, if you're listening, which I believe you are, you sexy things, there is a tear in... Screen number four, <laughs> Flower Hill, which Michael would like fixed. Yes, it's very distracting. All right. So, what did you not see? Did you like? No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't so bad. Like you, you couldn't see. Would have been horrible had it been at the bottom, right where the subtitles are. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> so that's this week. Uh, I, you know, again in theaters, watch that. Watch How to Train Your Dragon. Anything yeah. else we gotta recommend? Uh, so, yeah. Not anything that hasn't been out for a while. Yeah. Okay. I still didn't make it to see Chloe. I want to see Chloe. I want to see. No, Sonoma. but I mean, it's doing really well. I mean, not really well, but really not, poorly. It's, it's doing really poorly. <laughs> but I would like to see me some Amanda Seyfried and Julianne Moore. <laughs> doing things that I will not mention on this show, you adult He's hoping listener. for another Lust Caution. <laughs> <laughs> My, I took Michael to see Lust Caution uh, at a press screening. 
And I will like, never forget it. <laughs> it was like the first NC-17 movie you'd seen in a theater, right? Yeah, I've never seen one. Well, it's, oh. not, it's not usual. Well, I mean, I've seen NC-17, but it's not like you go to a theater all the time and there's like, hey, there's like five NC-17 movies playing. We should go see something that's like really bad. Like, I, you know, we haven't Virgil, you know, at the Ken, I, which we're going to see the room at, yeah. preferably next month. We'll see what happens on May 1st. They run like one midnight porno title in their midnight series but i've always been so afraid of the creepers that are going to be there <laughs> as a matter of fact in la there's still one operating porn theater and i'm fascinated every time i drive by it well but i hear it's just like you, you know you have this glamorized like 1950s version of the porno theater in your head i don't have a glamorized version of the 50s porno theater <laughs> No? No, I don't. I just have this in my head. Like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Uh, you know, but you still expect them to be like showing porn on film and stuff. But no? No, I don't. Maybe I shouldn't be going on this tangent. But I went on Yelp. Not that I was considering going here, people. I, I was not. But I went on Yelp and they say that it's all like really creepy stuff and illicit drug use. And there's a bathroom in the middle, a bathroom stall in the middle of the theater. That's their bathroom. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me but i will not be going there i assure you but it's on santa monica boulevard and i dare you to and how uh, you know if you go to the tiki theater on santa monica boulevard we will accept your call in yeah you will yeah i think so yeah we'll do a skype call with you so you know give us give us a call next up Okay. Speaking of like olden times and things like that. Olden well, times. Olden time. well, here's the problem, Michael. 50 I have to years say. ago. We're doing this thing where we're doing a retrospective on one performer, director, whatever. Any capacity in the motion picture industry, it's up. Fair game. We're doing a retrospective series and we'll do three movies by this person a month. And we alternate choices. Uh, and this month, Michael chose... Steve McQueen. And that's kind of, I, I don't have anything against Steve McQueen. I like Steve McQueen, the actor. But, uh, but, just, but you picked, like, my least favorite era of cinema. Oh, okay. I, well, I mean, you never made that clear. American cinema between 1950 and 19... I mean, American cinema in the 1970s was, was white hot. Uh, taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, the Godfather movies, it was all great, okay? okay I'll try to change you know, that. But, but between 1950 and 1970... Frankly, a pretty bleak period. I mean, really interesting things were going on in France. You know, Francois Truffaut <laughs> is one of my favorites of all time. Of course, Jean-Luc Godard. But Michael chose American cinema in the 1960s. So I'm sorry! <laughs> at least, at least I got to pick what the movies were. So, uh, uh, of course, being the biased, horrible cineast I am, I chose every movie that was under two hours. <laughs> <laughs> that was my picking mechanism. Although I am interested for Bullet later in the month. But this month, I chose The Cincinnati Kid. And Michael, since it was your choice, why don't you um, give him the lowdown on Cincinnati Kid, which is 1965, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's 1965. Okay, Cincinnati, Cincinnati Kid is um, it's, it takes place in Depression or New Orleans. It centers around uh, Steve McQueen's character, character, Eric the Kid Stoner. Uh, tries to uh, he's trying to establish himself as the best poker player in New Orleans, the world. I don't five know. stud poker player. Yeah, five stud poker player. Um, but to become the best, he must face the best, who happens to be uh, Lancey the Man Howard, played by Edward G. Robinson. And I have an interesting comment on that. Edward G. Now I don't know if this is just my imagination or not, but. Rip Torn is in this movie, playing another character. I don't even recognize him. Edward G. Robinson? 
at this time, kind of looks <laughs> like, like a fat Rip Torn. Yeah. And I'm like, has Rip Torn not aged? I knew Rip Torn was in this movie, but <laughs> I didn't know he could look the same almost 40 years ago. I was fooled. But. Yeah, but then I, I looked it up. I'm like, no, nah, it's not Rip Torn, okay. but apparently it was. But go on. Um, but, you know, as he's this whole big poker game between, you know, the up-and-coming star and the old star happens, this Clash of the Titans... No, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was just not good. Okay, move on. Yes. Um, but you, you have all these other characters who are trying to make their own mark in a, in a way, you know, be it Rip Torn's character, William Jefferson Slade, or... Um, all poker players. It, yeah, well, then you have, like, uh, Anne Margaret's character. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all trying to do their own thing. I, I, I still don't know how I feel about the movie. It's definitely not my favorite Steam McQueen movie. I felt like it was... The Sting, but I've heard people compare it to The Hustler with Paul Newman. Uh-huh. I thought about The Sting a lot, too. I like McQueen in the movie. No, very McQueen does well. Very good. But this is the problem I have with 60s movies in general, and it's very interesting. It highlights this, which is they're all so... Michael is doing a <laughs> gagging action. I think that's because it's one of his favorite eras. I don't know. But they're all so straightforward. Like, there's nothing to this movie. I mean, it's well told. It's interesting enough, it's entertaining enough, but it's just moves along in the directions you'd probably expect it to. You might not see the end coming. I, but I, 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 give, the, I give credit to the end because it, it, I felt like it was unconventional. I was not expecting it. But, I expected it, but I, it, yeah, it's better than going the other way, which um, would be to celebrate it, but let's not talk about the end yeah. because we're not going to give it away. Even though the I felt like one of the problems with the film is like, while it's supposed to be depression era, you know, 1930s, it really didn't distinguish itself. It actually felt more like a, the 1960s, if anything. Yeah. And in fact, I didn't like anything in this guy's life. I found the central thread involving the poker, aside from the fact that I'm not really that well-versed in poker. And if you're not that well-versed in poker, it's, Kind of difficult to get into the third act of this movie. Yeah. Which is almost like those scenes in Casino Royale, which were surprisingly refreshing because it was a mainstream movie. Yeah. And you're saying, geez, this is really getting into an intricate depiction of poker. Well, this gets into a pretty intricate depiction of poker, and it's not that interesting if you don't know or don't love the game. Because, frankly, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. But, But aside from that, I didn't find this guy's life interesting, his relationships interesting. Uh, and that being said, I kind of like the movie. I mean, it's fun enough. It's it's a very high diddle. But you yeah. <laughs> you can go see The Sting. If, well, go see. Uh, no, I definitely you, you recommend You can watch The Sting instead. I, yeah. It's a better southern gambling movie. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, I just feel like watching The Sting Kid, it's got all these really, like, power player stars mm-hmm. that it just doesn't quite get to use all the way. Well, this is a lot more understated, and uh, you know, it's, it's worth a watch, I guess. Yeah, no, yeah, I would. I'd still also very interesting in that it's an example of post civil rights era, and that there are black characters, I'll be them tertiary yeah. in this movie. Yeah, that you know, the the they feature a lot of different, not not just black characters, but they feature a lot of different characters, and it really kind of does build the movie up and define it a little bit more as a movie in the nineteen sixties than. Say some movie in the 50s. Certainly. Certainly. Let's hope that the discussion on Bullet is a little bit more... Yeah, I think, the, I think the Bullet discussion will be a little bit more. Uh, it's 
it's lively. a bigger movie for McQueen, and it's more emblematic of his career yeah, as a whole. It's so, more distinguished. Bullet next week, folks. You can look forward to that. And until next time, this has been Danny Baldwin. Oh, we should tease next week other than Bullet. What are we going to be doing? Date night. Date night. Date night and maybe uh, Runaways. Runaways. That's we'll see. What we'll see what happens. You know, we could feature another small movie that just breaks out out of nowhere, like Dragon <laughs> Tattoo. Who knows? Go see that, folks. I'm Danny Baldwin, and I'm Michael. Release the Kraken, Lester. This has been the Bucket Cast. Bye, everybody. We're on the front line. I get handed down the news. We're on the front line. Well, I never begin to choose. Just we're on the front line.